0: Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. Welcome back, Molly. She's back.
1: Thanks for holding down the fort, partner. Appreciate you. No, no problem. Um, it is Thursday. I am back in time for a bunch of news because whatever day it is, you know, there's a lot of news. There's actually breaking news as we started uh, writing the rundown and getting ready to record today, which is uh, Theranos ex-president Sonny Balwani has been found guilty of fraud. And
0: speaking of fraud, we're going to then drive into crypto. Uh, Note the people in charge of crypto regulations in the U.S. might have to forego crypto investing themselves. The U.S. is, uh, you know, creating some more regulations after, you know, all of this crazy dismantling and crypto contagion. It seems like the U.S.
1: government is going to finally uh, step in. What a concept. What a concept. concept. Maybe a little less self-dealing in government. And there's a big lawsuit aiming to become a class action lawsuit against Solana. Ah. It's taking aim at VCs and some of that insider uh, uh, dealing. Mm
0: -hmm. Yes, this is something we've talked about. It's a
1: multi-coin fund. And
0: uh, we're gonna do a startup of the day for warehouse workers, very cool. It's
2: gonna be a great show. Stick with us. This Week in Startups is brought to you by Microsoft for Startups Founders Hub for the challenges you face as a startup founder, Microsoft for Startups Founders Hub is here to help. The platform provides founders with free resources like Azure credits, development tools like GitHub, mentorship resources, productivity, software training, and so much more. The program is open to all and takes five minutes to apply with no funding required. Learn more and sign up at aka.ms slash This Week Startups. Masterworks. Masterworks is the first company allowing investors exposure into the blue chip artwork asset class. Twist listeners can skip the 30,000 person waitlist by going to masterworks.io and using promo code TWIST. And lemon.io. Need to speed up your product development without draining your budget? Hire vetted engineers from Europe at Lemon.io. Go to Lemon.io slash twist to get 15% off for the first four weeks.
1: All right. So as we mentioned, before we dive into all that crypto stuff, just an update that Theranos ex-president Sonny Balwani has been found guilty of fraud. Of course, Elizabeth Holmes was found guilty six months ago about And in this case, uh, this is kind of interesting. Sonny Balwani was found guilty on all 12 charges against him, which were all wire fraud and conspiracy to commit wire fraud. Hmm. Elizabeth Holmes got that split decision. She was like convicted on four, acquitted on four. And there were like three where they couldn't reach a decision. But in Hmm. Balwani's case, across the board, guilty. Both of them face up to 20 years in prison.
0: Well, not looking sunny for Sonny Balwani. Uh, But uh, hey, you know what? Great. Uh, We need to make an example of people who are committing outright fraud and putting people's health at danger. You never like to see this kind of stuff happen, but it happened. They are solely responsible, the two of them. This was a joint effort by both of them to deceive their investors, to deceive the public, and uh, they should have the book thrown at them. We put people in jail for selling dime bags of weed or, you know, whatever, you know, stealing a car. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, you probably go to jail if you rob somebody's home for 20 years, right? Yeah, if you steal a car, grand larceny, if you're dealing drugs, you know, these white collar criminals, they, they 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 typically get a pass. And the amount of damage here, you know, was really significant. Uh, you had people who made health decisions based on this data. It's not a joke. And, uh, you know, fake it till you make it when you're making an app or, you know, I don't know, you're trying to make your movie and you're quitting Tarantino and you're telling everybody you're going to change the world with your script or whatever. That's fake it till you make it, right? You you assume, Molly, that, hey, you know what? I'm not a a director, but I'm going to be someday. I'm not a CEO. I'm going to be someday. That's that's laudable. That's fun. Great. You're a little bit delusional. But there is a very clear line from being delusional and being a fraud. As a delusional person, I can tell you this. (laughs) I never would in a million years ever think about lying or selling shares in a company didn't do what it actually did but i might try to pump myself up and say hey i'm going to change the world mm-hmm. so for founders watching this is this week in startups remember you can pump yourself up you can fake it till you make it you can be delusional you can try to sneak into conferences you Definitely. know that's all good you can, you know but you can't commit fraud and you can't put people's lives at risk they yeah. knew what they were doing yeah and we Full know stop. that
1: because we watched the show.
0: <laughs> yes, the TV show proved it to us. <laughs> I think uh, that TV
1: show is going to put Sonny Balwani in jail. Like, I'm just saying. <laughs> Who I mean, knows how much w- he would have gotten away with had there not been that show, which really, like, I think stuck. To, I mean, obviously, they had a lot of proof and they had the texts and the emails back and forth from each other, you know, that yeah. were basically like, I'm in it just as much as you are. Um, but there was definitely speculation that that show, which was so well done. I tell you, they should have had a, a light. They need to
0: have, uh, if if we watched this Johnny Depp nonsense for weeks Mm -hmm. unfold, which is of no importance to society, you know, generally speaking. I'm sure it's important to Johnny Depp, but all due respect, this is not like some super lesson to be learned, uh, I think, by society. But here, there's a lot of lessons to be learned. I wished that this had been televised. I think this would have been very important for the public to see what happened here and understand it. And you know, to study it, I didn't know that the guilty that 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 the uh trial was underway, even i it, this was lightly
1: covered, yeah,, uh, there's been like a lot going on on but, in the world, yes, but it also tells you, i mean, what media manipulation looks like right, like Ball one is just not as interesting because he's not the cute blonde here, like yeah, well, he he's not the c e o either, but and was not the CEO. But he should have gotten
0: at least 50%
1: as much coverage. I mean, I would think so.
0: Absolutely. And they seem to be zero. Or like, maybe I would say 1% of the coverage. So that does feel like a double standard.
1: Yep. Although, to be honest, I I can't even really say for sure how much it was or was not covered because A, algorithm, and B, like...
0: Well, the world being on fire at the same time. You know, yes.
1: There was Um, so much that even I will cop to the fact that this is the least the thing I'm least interested in. But I really like tying it back to being a founder. You know, being an investor, like some yeah. of this is about doing your diligence, which a lot mm-hmm. of the investors in this company did not. They took all yep. of these claims at face value and didn't do their diligence. And also the point at which you go from magical thinking to lying, yes, which these is are a two, very clear line.
0: Two very important lessons. And uh, thank you for bringing up the first one, which I you know, I didn't even think of. If you're an investor, do your diligence. Mm-hmm. And if something, Is not right and you're not seeing the technology, then you know, it's a red flag. And then if you're getting spun, you you know, it's just like, how many red flags do you need, Molly, in order to say, I'm going to pass on investing in this or I am going to put my foot down. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I've had the situation happen, uh, you know, in one of my future books, (laughs) I will, I will tell more stories, but to obscurify situations, I've been in situations. Not dissimilar than the Elizabeth Holmes one, where mm. a founder was lying, or a founder was doing something unethical, or something that even Molly I could consider getting close to the legal line, right? And I put my foot down in these two cases. I think it's two cases, not legal cases, but two instances. Mm-hmm. And I have a strong belief, which you now know, since you've been working together six months here, and you've been have been doing this week, and uh, we've been doing uh, VC Sunday School. I believe in diligence mm-hmm. and you are now getting a front row seat to how much work we put into the diligence here at launch and the syndicate. We put a lot of work into it, and That's boy, do we find a lot of interesting flags and red flags? Some of them are mini red flags, some are pink flags, some are like, okay, this is something that could be cleaned up. Your accounting's a little sloppy. You know, oh, you need to get these legal documents in order so you're in compliance. They're kind of like compliance issues, right, or let's call it hygiene, right like good hygiene and you now are getting to see how founders react to them and how they respect yeah. us the founders and other investors who see us do this diligence they uniformly respect us who doesn't respect you when you do proper diligence the people who are committing fraud mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. when you get pushback on diligence i encourage all the young investors out there on their first funds i'm on my i'm going to be starting our fourth fund and over 300 investments I, too, got a little bit like, oh, am I being too hardcore doing this diligence, Molly? And then I freed myself of that because so I said, anybody who's going to fight back on an investor who's giving hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars to a founder and being partners with them and putting their name attached to the company, who would, in a situation like that, fight against doing proper diligence?
1: Who yeah. would? Yeah. Hmm. Who would fight against that? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Someone who does not want that spotlight coming. Exactly, exactly. If you you don't don't have your house in order. And you're hardcore about that. You know, we're hardcore about demos. Like I have seen you in professional development and other investors and, and, you know, we'll write templates that are like, if you are still going on and on after a certain number of minutes about your background and your origin story, we're going to want you to skip to the demo. Even in super early stage companies, we want to see the goods. And in the Theranos case, over and over and over People were not showing the good goods point. and did not insist on it.
0: It's such a good point. You know, if one of the core things we do as investors and as partners to these companies is we give product feedback and we understand the product and we try to understand the product because it's going to eventually make contact with the world, aka mm-hmm. customers. And the magic that happens in startups is when a product is so well constructed that the customers. Fall in love with it. They're delighted. Their problems are solved. And if you are investing tens of millions of dollars or a hundred millions of dollars and you can't bother to look at the machine and understand how it works and open it up and send a diligence team in, you shouldn't be investing, right? Like Rupert Murdoch put a hundred million dollars into this. Mm -hmm. Could he not have earmarked, but $10,000 to hire somebody in science to go look at it Think about what he did. He just trusted everybody else, and I'm not singling him out. But there right. were many people like this who trusted everybody else. But there were more people, Molly, who I know, who laughed in Elizabeth Holmes' face, mm-hmm. literally, and Sunny's face when they refused to show them the technology. So I'm, I'm actually really glad that this is what uh, has happened. Yeah, I am glad that this is over. It was a nightmare for Silicon Valley to be blamed for this. They didn't have a lot of Silicon Valley investors. It's criminal behavior, full stop. And every 1,000 companies or so, or maybe it's every 500, you could have sociopathic people, narcissists, criminals. There's an evil element in the world. People forget that. And so why wouldn't that exist in any vertical? It could exist in the movie industry, the finance industry, startups, pharmaceuticals, healthcare. Every industry is going to have bad actors. Mm-hmm. These are amongst the worst actors I've seen in my career.
1: Yeah, this is uh, this was. I mean, this was major. Yep. Yeah. No doubt. No
0: doubt. All right. Well, and let's, I called uh, the same bullshit out, by the way, and uh, I will get my flowers and I will get my coronation at some point, Molly. When it comes to the crypto situations, by some estimates, over ninety percent of startups will go out of business in year one. That's why Microsoft created. The Microsoft for startups founders hub. This program provides founders at any stage with up to six figures in resources. I kid you not, you're going to get up to $150,000 in Azure credits based on your stage and size, you can get free access to GitHub's enterprise tier. And you're gonna get technical advice from experts at Azure and the Microsoft cloud. You get one-to-one mentorship from their mentor network and exclusive benefits and discounts from companies like OpenAI. And the best part, there are no fundraising requirements. And unlike others in the industry, I'm not going to mention any names here, the Microsoft for Startups Founders Hub doesn't require startups to be investor-backed or third-party validated to sign up and access benefits. Nope, they're not playing favorites. They want to help everybody. It's truly open to any founder and it's not about who you know, it's about what you build. Any founder at any stage can take advantage of this. You can get up to 6 figures of value by signing up right now at aka.ms/thisweekinstartups. So sign up and start building today at aka.ms/thisweekinstartups.
1: Oh yeah, speaking I of mean, which. Every with every passing day. Exactly. I mean, I was going to say, let's, Where are let's my flowers? talk about oh, more here are my bad flowers actors. are here. With every here are my passing flowers? day. More cherry blossoms are popping up behind you as a result of your <laughs> accurate prediction <laughs> about crypto. Okay. First of all, we're going to talk about a little regulation uh, story because, you know, we have been wondering what's going on with regulation. A where lot of companies. They? Where were are acting, the regulators? Where are the regulators? What <laughs> are, are they, they doing? Why aren't here. they providing some certainty here or maybe protecting retail investors? And, and then it turns out it's possible. Mm-hmm. I don't know for sure. But huh. evidently, up until right now, there weren't mm-hmm. any rules about okay. whether you could be a regulator or a legislator oh. or uh, an advisor Ooh. on regulatory issues related to cryptocurrency in the United yeah. States government. Um, that There weren't any rules against you also just like owning a crap ton and being a hodler. Oh, my Lord. So what we're saying mm-hmm. now is the next shoe
0: to drop is there might be people... Who are responsible for making laws that were buying coins, NFTs, whatever, buying crypto writ large, had a vested stake in it. Maybe. Because if they're doing this, I don't think they're doing this proactively. This sounds like a reactive move.
1: It I kind of you, does.
0: Yeah, it yeah. feels reactive. I mean, if this was proactive, it would happen five years ago. Yeah. We're we're, we're in decade two of crypto and we're certainly in like, you know, year five or six of it being mainstream.
1: So this is a legal advisory from the Uh Office of Government Ethics. To be clear, it's not even really like a law, but it bars federal workers who own crypto from working on policies that could influence the value of their digital assets. So a pretty straightforward non-conflict of interest rule here. We do know um, that, for example, there have been some White House staffers that have been open about mm. their crypto investments, I assume that there are plenty who haven't been. One example is technology advisor Tim Wu, um, okay. who has been an advisor to the Biden administration who holds millions of dollars yeah. worth of Bitcoin record- reportedly and has voluntarily stepped back from working on crypto policy. I have a solution. Yeah. Kind of like journalists do. Mm-hmm. We would have disclosures, right?
0: Especially for high, higher profile journalist so if you were walt mossberg or kara swisher or molly wood or whoever you know somebody Mm -hmm. up there in your bio it might say i am you know in a relationship with somebody who works at google like kara swisher was famously married um, to a googler and so you know she would just disclose that now if you live in silicon valley the chances of you and you do get married uh, the chances of you marrying somebody in the tech industry are like 98 Mm percent. so fair enough and would that Change somebody's coverage? Yeah, s- almost certainly not. But if it's disclosed, it makes you feel a heck of a lot better. So, what mm-hmm. should happen is on the bio pages of everybody who works at government, you know, who's in any kind of a significant position, it should just say if they have any direct holdings, not mutual funds. Because mutual funds, you know, you're kind of obscured, but if, right you know, or maybe small mutual funds, you know, which is what I always tell people when I'm on something like when I'm on CNBC, I would say to people, listen, I might hold some Facebook you know, in a mutual fund or I might own Tesla in a mutual fund or an, in, an index fund actually is what I use, Vanguard, like index funds, but I don't actually trade it. I don't own specific ones. If I do own specific, I'm like, I own Coinbase, I own, you know, Uber, obviously, and I own other, you know, Square. So I, I, I'm just always upfront about it, but why mm-hmm. not just put it on everybody's bio page? It actually yeah. gives them more credibility. Hey, I mean, it Tim really Wu does. has Bitcoin, Ethereum, NFT, and if he listed six different things he held, great,
1: right. perfect, you know? And I'm wading into a minefield. Be- I know because members of Congress are oh, constantly God. violating these rules, right? And Nancy like Pelosi constantly. is the greatest traitor in the world. I mean, to, let's just not even get into Joe Manchin reaping like five million dollars in stock oh, dividends from a coal mine. Do <laughs> you so not corrupt. know this? I I, I do now that you remind me on the Energy Security it's, like it's so the gross. Energy Committee. I mean, it's, it's like and it's all of them. By the no, way, it's it's
0: all of them. Rules. Democrats, it's Republicans,
1: it's all of them. It's all of them. And they have disclosure rules. In fact, I think there's a Republican congressman right now who's in trouble for like waiting a year to disclose an investment that because he was like writing legislation related to that specific investment. I mean, it's all as dirty as it can be. Um, So, but at least and so I would love to see it all get cleaned up there. Even uh, producer Nick found this Wall Street Journal investigation finding that back in 2021, there were 131 judges who failed to step back from lawsuits I heard involving about this, firms yes. that either they or their families had shares in. Mm. And it was like appointments going back to Lyndon Johnson. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, it, you know, here's the thing. It's very simple to solve these problems too. You go into government office, you should have all of the shares of companies you have either in a blind trust, mm-hmm. you don't have access to the trading, you just put somebody who is a good custodian into it, and they could give you like a yearly report or you could make yearly decisions, Right so even if you do make decisions they would be every year i think that would be reasonable because you don't want people to not take office because they can't it would hurt them financially so let's say they said hey you have to disclose it every year and you can do your trades at the end of the year whatever in january you have a month of trading but you just have to disclose your trades um, five days before you make them you know one week so if nancy pelosi wants to buy some pharmaceutical company because she had or mansion has some coal company whatever it is and they sit on the coal thing or they they know what's going on with covid they can only do it once a year and there's five days for the rest Mm -hmm. of the world to look at that trade and they get the
1: to jump the trade right totally yeah um that would be fair to me that would be Um, fair and i would think that's fair to be clear like congress passed this stocks act that was supposed to Increase transparency and maybe make it harder for them to buy and whatever, and then they immediately watered it down completely. So ridiculous. So the dirtiness is everywhere. But if you Mm. have been wondering why there hasn't been more crypto regulation, this could be could be a reason. Oh, Oh, that's right. It was David Perdue of Georgia, and then somebody else. That one woman who like insider who traded who like bought like body bag and PPE stocks when COVID first broke after they had been briefed. I mean, it's so dark. It is so dark. It's so dark. dark.
0: You're making decisions for like. You run for office because you want to do some public good, ostensibly. Then you use it as a grift. And and how much money are you making? Like, are these people making 10 grand on a trade, 100 grand on a trade? Like, why Mm, even do that? It's much easier to just put your stuff into a low fee index fund on Wealthfront, uh, uh, you know, Vanguard, and set it and forget it, and then just focus on your time in office. It's so much Mm -hmm. easier. It's so dumb to be a day trader like this while you're, you know, and then have this appearance of impropriety it's just dumb you know and if you and and at its worst you know there's a whole bunch of people in hollywood right now who are getting dragged into a whole insider trading lawsuit because somebody was trading or they knew about the activision sale or something do you remember Mm. that like a bunch of high-profile hollywood people made a bunch of trades yeah martha stewart comes to mind you know and all the people who are making those trades and if you get caught up in one of these things You can wind up in jail, you know? And and these DAs, SEC, you know, they they take this stuff mad serious, you know? And they would love to have high profile people to put a pelt on their wall. And you don't want to put yourself in that situation. Yeah, it's It's totally unnecessary. So easy to make money. You don't need to do shenanigans. All right, you know, I love alternative investments. I mean, I've invested in over 300 startups. It's kind of my thing. But if you want to diversify with an asset class, that is historically uncorrelated with the stock market, then you need to look into blue chip art. And if you wanna get into blue chip art, there's one place for you to go, that's masterworks.io. Masterworks is an investment platform that lets any investor buy shares in multi-million dollar paintings. So you don't have to be super rich to own part of a Picasso or a Warhol or a Banksy. Masterworks has qualified over 130 paintings with the SEC. They know what they're doing. They do it right. And they've returned over 30% for investors on four paintings since 2019. Don't just take it from me. UBS has invested in over 30,000 art pieces now. And Deutsche Bank has invested in over 55,000. I actually bought some shares last year in a Basquiat. I love Basquiat. It's one of my favorite artists. And I wasn't going to be able to do that myself. And I don't want to take custodian of a painting and then worry about it, insure it. Uh, maybe somebody steals it. No. I bought my shares in one at Masterworks, which you can see on the screen if you're watching right now. What a beautiful painting. So I want you to give it a shot. Go take a look at it. Go to massworksio slash twist. And get priority access. That's Masterworks.io/slash/twist to cut the line today. Now you got to see the important disclosures at Masterworks.io/slash/disclaimer. And this is an investment, so you got to do your homework.
1: It's so yes. easy to profit off of um tokens. Yeah. Why bother with publicly traded securities when no, you can no, no, actually no, no, get to no, no, doing it? No, 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 no. i no I'm just it's saying. Like, no, no, you no. know what? You know, is a good way to do this is yes. like get a bunch of unregistered securities in the form of like a crypto token yes and then what you could get a whole bunch of them and then you could be like everybody this token is the jam you should totally buy it and then you should offload all of those tokens and make a ton of money while the whole thing collapses long after you're gone
0: this is the solana lab's (laughs) <laughs> uh or solana and the multi-coin capital now i had an totally these are uh, alleged on the pod on episode 1302 so anytime something remember i said this in the previous episodes anytime the market comes down the lawsuits and the actions come out right mm-hmm. so we don't know here if this is a bogus lawsuit or if it's legit but let's just factually go through go what through the they're facts. claiming and then i'll give you my handicapping of it
1: um the claim by uh mark young who bought solana tokens during the summer of 2021 is alleges that solana itself the token sol mm-hmm. is an unregistered security and that far from being decentralized he says this uh, this lawsuit alleges it's actually highly centralized And that mostly benefited only insiders. The lawsuit mentions Solana Labs, the Solana Foundation, the co-founder Anatoly Yakovenko, uh, who was on episode 1302 in 2021. And also the Crypto VC Multicoin Capital and its co-founder Kyle Samani, all by name, plus the trading desk Falcon X. So there's a couple, there's the the two big Mm -hmm. components to this. One is that the way the token, Sol, was created mm-hmm. and sold, meets these three tenets of the Howey test, okay. which is the test used by the Supreme Court to tell if the sale of something is a security. So the four parts there are investment of money. Okay, In check. a common check. In a common enterprise. Check. With the expectation of profit. Check, 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 check. To be derived from the efforts of others.
0: Check, 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 check. Right. It's, it's so obvious the all of these coins all of fit that. this profile. The only totally. reason it wouldn't fit this profile is if you didn't expect a profit from it. And that's where you would fall into what I would consider uh, a utility. So it wouldn't be an investment of money in the utility token. You might be buying the token, not as an investment, but to use it. So if I bought miles for American Airlines, I'm just coming up with something that also Mm -hmm. uses tokens, essentially. If I bought a bunch of airline miles from United and I did that to buy my ticket to Italy next summer, that's not an investment of money. I'm buying them. It's a transaction. and it's not a common enterprise it's for me to go to italy it's not to invest in united and Mm -hmm. to hope that other people fly united and i'm not expecting a profit i'm expecting to get a good deal right Mm -hmm. totally and is it derived from the efforts of others the it's not an investment so it's not no i am not giving the money to the miles company and you know so this is why this test is super important and for people who have utility tokens you know, if the, if the token is surging and the person who bought it wanted to make money, which all you have to do is ask them, why did you buy the token? Mm-hmm. If, if you said airlines miles, yeah, why'd you buy the airline miles, Molly? Right. Go to Italy. Because I want to go to Italy. Mm-hmm. Why'd you buy your Bitcoin? Because I hope it's going to go up. Exactly. It's right. yeah, exactly. pretty easy. And this is not, this has nothing to do with uh, Solana. This has to do with the entire industry pretending that this test does not exist. Mm -hmm. all of these things are securities the only thing that maybe wasn't a security was bitcoin because they put it out there anonymously with no central authority but you know if they ever found satoshi i think you could make the argument here that they set it up in order to make a profit i just i think it's because they can't find satoshi that they can't put this test against
1: anybody totally and then even if it started that way it unquestionably is being used Mm -hmm. as a security and uh, and you could even argue has just become one, has transformed from its original purpose into a security. And then there's this other or part... a
0: commodity. People say it's a commodity,
1: right? People like, say it's so a commodity, but... I it,
0: don't know what the difference would be there. <laughs> you know, like, still kind of passes the a test to me. commodity something
1: that everybody uses and needs? Like, I don't... Yeah, but what is the use that's case really for common? Bitcoin? Right, yeah. exactly. Then I don't know why it would be. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then there's this other question too about, and this is what I think is actually really fascinating, is that the lawsuit also alleges centralized Profit taking so okay. um, it notes that two things, these investors, particularly multi coin yep. sold millions of dollars worth of Solana to retail investors through this Falcon X trading desk, Yep. even though and promoted it really heavily, you should totally buy my token, even though okay. they knew there were major technical issues with the platform, because remember Solana had all those crashes, they've been down three or four times last yeah. month, um, that prevented the network from producing new blocks and could have affected the long-term value, I guess, of these tokens. But the lawsuit I think that's also- a BS, I
0: think that's BS by the way, that
1: claim. Because that claim all, be BS, yeah, but all services is, go down. That seems like a spurious, is that the word spurious? Species, all that's a little specious. Go down. I guess the question is like, yeah, I mean, it would be like, you should still use Twitter, even though it crashes all the time. That doesn't yeah, necessarily get in to the intrinsic value. investors in Twitter invested, people bought shares,
0: they sold shares. But of course it's going to go down. AWS goes down. You sure. know, it's Amazon. So And you know, I don't know what, but I don't, I don't, I, like I don't
1: even I don't know what part of this is illegal, but I do think it's interesting and and uh, this woman on Twitter who's a lawyer for General Counsel of this group of European software development companies that are building blockchain-based mm. software, noted and other people did too, that the lawsuit contains this allegation that 48% of the soul tokens are held by insiders, either like right. the founder or the team or the Makes investors. Sense. Yeah. Yeah. And she said they're alleging that a crypto VC is an underwriter. Mm. And said it's, you know, this is, this would be something you might more commonly see in an SEC case, yes. but not from a private plaintiff, because in theory, it's not illegal for that to be the case. But it also does point to this bigger question of like, who's crypto even for?
0: If it is a security, and I think it is, mm-hmm. um, then all of this should have been done, you know, properly. Um, and it says here, Solana Labs filed a form D with the SEC saying the sale was of securities exempt from SEC registration as in private company. So they're kind of saying these are private company shares. Mm -hmm. And of course people are going to sell their tokens when they're on the market. And this is the big problem with the shadow economy, you know, the shadow market Mm -hmm. that was created. They created a shadow securities market in crypto over the last decade, and they refined it, Molly, to make it super efficient. And the claims are various VCs, and I think Multicoin is one of the smallest. There there are much bigger VC firms. I'm not going to mention any names here. Uh But there are large VC firms who have put billions of dollars to work, hundreds of millions of dollars to work. And if they were buying tokens and they were buying them early and they were backing the company, and then all of a sudden the public can trade them and the public can trade them on exchanges that that VC is also an investor in or on Mm -hmm. the board of, you start to see a pattern here of, well, was this some grand conspiracy here to clear these tokens out to the public, which would be as if when you and I now are investing in private companies, what if we took the company we invested in six months ago, Molly? Uh, and like, like, Let's take your first deal for the climate syndicate, the syndicate.com slash climate, if you want to invest in climate companies with Molly and myself. Let's say we took that company and now we told people, hey, this is the greatest thing ever. We start talking about it on the podcast and you can mm-hmm. buy shares. Mm-hmm. Well, that's called an IPO.
1: So, And if all know, of a sudden I, we're just promoting it, promoting it, promoting yes. it, being like, you should buy these shares, this is the biggest thing ever. And that is actually what this lawsuit is alleging, is yes. that it was this sort of constant promotion that made it seem better than it was. I mean, the lawsuit, it's a very long way of saying we think that Solana is a giant pump and no. dump. Well, here's the thing. And if, the, if Solana was up
0: right now, this lawsuit wouldn't, wouldn't exist. Wouldn't be happening. So totally. here's what happens. Everybody had a collective delusion that securities laws didn't apply here or didn't apply in a very serious way. Mm -hmm. And that was fine and dandy because the way our legal system tends to work is that we let people, you know, build stuff in the world and we trust that they're going to do it in a, you know, an ethical, moral way. And I'm sure they thought they were doing this, the people involved. But then if people get hurt, then we double click, we audit, we subpoena, you know, this is just how our society works. And so now that everything's coming apart, people are going to look deeply in this. Now, there's also a rub here people were lps in funds that made crypto investments and so i'm lps in funds that have crypto investments and so now am i going to get dragged into all of this and then did i get a distribution you have to start asking yourself did i get a distribution because i lp'd a fund they were flipping securities really early in the life of the fund and then people got burned and now there's lawsuits and then mm-hmm. is it going to pierce the veil and our LPs going to get dragged into this well, if things keep coming apart like this, now the LPs will get dragged into this. And so imagine you're some giant endowment, you know, and you got some distribution of, you know, some token. I'm, I'm keeping it generic for a reason, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and now you made, a, I don't know, $100 million from this distribution. Uh, you had no control over any of this. When you are an LP in a fund, you, the fund managers get to decide when they buy stuff, when they sell stuff, and, and what they pick to invest in now you're Mm -hmm. going to get dragged into this and this is where the crypto contagion is going to be disastrous this is going to be disastrous this could be lawsuits for a decade just like in the dot com era there were lawsuits for
1: years might be absurd right i mean there are people in the comments in response to the the threads that are analyzing this lawsuit being like so you bought this thing and you didn't mature oh, in 100%. the time frame that you were hoping you know like it might be totally frivolous but it doesn't matter because to your point if it starts to spread if it starts to affect you know lps who thought they were investing in basically like a mutual fund where somebody else picked the stocks like it starts to be a stain on the entire industry and real yep. businesses built on this technology will have trouble raising money here's the thing yesterday on the show i was talking about how
0: You know, everybody's an adult who made these bets. Nobody made these bets thinking, I want to make 4% on my money every year and compound it and, you know, double my money, you know, every X number of years. No, that's not what people were doing here. People were gambling. These people Mm -hmm. were betting on the Jets, you know, or the Giants to win. They were playing parlays. They were betting on 20 to one ponies, you know, at the racetrack. People knew they were gambling. So now it's, if you think about it, like a free option, I got to bet on this company knowing this is the most cynical version of it that mm-hmm. this was a little fugazi or this mm-hmm. was on the borderline of like the SEC's rules. So I'm going to make the bet. If it goes up, I sell and I win. If it goes down, I file a lawsuit and I threaten them with the fact that, hey, maybe this was a little fugazi and maybe I can reclaim my money. So I have a backstop. So yeah. that, that's the other thing here. So I, to the people who are in our, our chat talking about this. I do agree with that position, actually. And I do think people need to learn that there are no free lunches and that when you invest in a company, I hate to get all uh, Berkshire Hathaway here, but you're buying into a business based on the future cash flows of that business. If there is no cash flow, if there is no product, if there are no customers and you're making that bet, you're gambling or you're investing in a napkin. And I think all these crypto bets where people investing in a white paper slash pitch deck slash back of the napkin something in that zone molly yeah and uh now you learn the hard lesson you learn the hard lessons of investing welcome to the club yeah. you are the sucker at the table <laughs> if you don't know go to the poker table and you don't know who the sucker is you're the sucker congratulations yeah. as somebody congratulations. who has
1: been that sucker at the table <laughs> <laughs> everybody's the sucker sometimes like you yeah. know yeah. Uh, okay, and then uh, more, like another quick hit oh, no. of crypto news that's no, probably more. also a lawsuit week waiting to happen. <laughs> <It's literally laughs> yeah, this right. week in crypto contagion. It's literally this week in crypto contagion. It's never going to end. It's never going to end. Well, I mean, it's going to end, but it's going to be a while. It's going to be um, a while. Let's see. Crypto firm, the latest, crypto firm Uprise, okay. lost 99% of its customer funds. trying customer to funds? Customer funds. Oh, how? Yep. Uh, trying to short Luna tokens during oh, the seems like a good trade. <laughs> And Luna Collapse wait, last month.
0: That's a great trade. It, but wait, you're not supposed so. to do that with your customer funds. Nope. Nope. That's like me taking all of my LP money and going to Vegas and playing in poker tournaments or high stake poker games. You're not supposed yeah. to do that.
1: I'm obsessed with this rehypothecation situation that <sighs> it seems like keeps coming out in the crypto yeah. companies like that Celsius would. I explained it to my son, who's really into building mechanical keyboards. I was mm. like, let's say that I loaned you 50 bucks. And in response, I took your keyboard or mm. as collateral, I took your keyboard. And it yes. was like, if you give me my 50 bucks back, you could have this keyboard back. And mm. you were like, okay, the keyboard is in good hands because it's with my mom. And then I was like, hey, Jason, yeah. can I borrow $50? I'll put sure, this keyboard I- up as collateral. Okay. So I'll I took the keyboard that was already my collateral. And I gave it to you as collateral. And then my son was like, here's my $50. I'd like my keyboard back. And I was like, ooh, I don't have that. And Uh, I don't have $50 to pay Jason back. So I can't get your keyboard. Exactly. Yeah. Or like, yeah, this is really. That is how they have all been operating with each other. All these companies. It's insane. Anyway, in this case, Uprise was shorting Luna while the price did fall. Good. According to the Seoul economic daily got caught out during sudden price pumps along (sighs) the way. Got it. And so uh, lost $3 million of its own funds in addition to the money invested from their clients. Like, apparently they are trying to figure out how to pay back clients. That plan is in the works. And it's gone.
0: (laughs) Here's how it works. And it's gone. So when you place a bet on a pony and you give the racetrack your money and then your pony loses and then you have some gripe, they don't give you your money back. That's how it works. It's gone. The money is is gone, they absconded with
1: it chunks, tiny $2 bills $300 at a time, like small, but it's Competition
0: for great engineering talent is really intense. We all know that. And a lot of startups are struggling to hire fast enough to keep up with their roadmap and the demands of their, you know, competitive space. You need to have great developers if you want to compete. And if you want to hire better developers, and you want to do it faster, you need a trusted source of pre vetted candidates. That's the key people you want to use lemon.io. They will tell you if this person's legit and if they should be working at your company. They have a network of engineers from Europe and Latin America and every candidate has been tested and interviewed by their team. Here is how lemon.io can make your engineering team bionic. No wasting time with unqualified candidates easy access to global talent. Plus, they can get your developer up and running within a week. And of course, it's more affordable. At launch, we know Lemon.io is a great solution because our portfolio founders have used it. Okay, Drew Fabricant said Lemon.io was a game changer for his startup Scout. Drew was under the gun to hire a developer with a very specific skill set. And Lemon.io delivered a great candidate quickly and he says they were a pleasure to work with. So, go to lemon.io slash twist to get 15% off your first four weeks. Okay, so this is just bad news everywhere, but I saw everywhere. some good news. Mm-hmm. So, let's pivot from Web3 let's pivot. and let's just get down to earth. Let's get down <laughs> to them rare earths. I am so excited to have a story that's good
1: news. This is about dirt. Right? I, like, I, I, I love just, this story. Well, this I love this story a cool story it's great please let it be true <laughs> please let it be true okay so the <laughs> the story is that the turkish government is claiming that it just discovered almost yeah. 700 million metric tons boom of rare earth minerals yes. that and it's the kind of like it's enough for a thousand years of supply at current demand and these are the metals and the minerals that go into electric vehicles hmm. batteries like, Fantastic. MRI machines, fertilizers, oil yeah. refineries, and it's all the metals that are currently dominated by China. Yes. Yeah.
0: Dominated. And uh, we use, like, 150,000 metric tons. It's going to go up to three or 400,000, and these are dirty to take out of the earth. They exist in a lot of places, but they're, my understanding of it, uh, I've been getting a little bit of an education in the last year, mm-hmm. is that, um, you know, it's how much work is it to take it out of the ground, Molly, and then it's also... Does your country allow you to rip the earth apart to pull them out? Totally. Because it obviously means you're going to rip apart, you know, some plot of land somewhere. But the amount they're claiming, uh, and a bunch of different people have made calculations here. My calculation was like, this is like 4,000 years of the current demand. Another person made a calculation of 1,000. Uh, and who knows, you know, w- it, this is certainly something to look at because, I don't know if you remember this, but about 15 years ago, we were talking about peak oil. You must have talked about it on Marketplace and at the New York Times. Oh, Yeah. Still, and everybody's yeah. like, we're about to run out of oil. This is going to mm-hmm. be the end of days. Our society runs on oil. And if oil becomes rare uh, and it beca- it's going to cause chaos on the planet and there will be anarchy and society will break down. That is a true statement. Yeah. The part of the statement that was false was then Norway found oil reserves that were greater than like all the oil reserves that had been previously found. And then people were like, oh, wait a second, you know, we have this new technique for fracking and you got this new technique for taking the sand out of the oil in the oil sands. And uh, once again, technology found a way and humanity Mm -hmm. found a way. And now the concept of like peak oil has never been brought up again. Yeah. But there were story after story talking about three, four, five hundred dollar a barrel of oil and then literally every nation going to war and it turning into Mad Max.
1: Yeah. And And we don't talk about that anymore. We don't talk about that anymore. And and you could buy an EV for 40 grand. And then all of a sudden the United States used fracking to determine that like in my home state of North Dakota, there's a massive oil field and now we're a net exporter of oil and gas, right? Like it, the, this, these are the kinds of things that do turn. And again, there are reasons to be cautious about this announcement. It, one of the things that points to, and the noties are pointing this out and it's true is that rare earth metals always has been a misnomer. Like these, the metals aren't that rare accessible the extraction of them yes. the accessibility of yes. them that is rare and so what we don't know about the turkey find is yes. the grade of the metals and minerals in question like i visited a gold mine last summer when i was doing this reporting project and it's a really low grade mine mm. as in for every ton of dirt they mine they only get a few ounces of gold so it's a ton of energy and machinery and literal human power and equipment and all of this stuff to get a very small amount of gold so it's not it's economically dicey Yeah. so if these are low-grade deposits then it might not be economically viable to get them out and they might not even bother and or, there's the question of like are they going to make the investment in the mining are they whatever right on yes. and on and on
0: and will new technology emerge to make mining these more efficient certainly that will happen totally. will that happen? you know according to Moore's law where it doubles every 18 months probably not because it's a physical process and physics <laughs> and physics <laughs> but it could become 10 percent, you know every year uh you know or five or ten or fifteen percent more efficient to extract these in other words it takes less energy mm-hmm. you know it's less damaging to the earth and that's what's happened with fracking that's what's happened with nuclear everything gets easier and i don't know if you saw the the news but the eu just said in this like emergency meeting that nuclear is green yeah and that natural gas is green. So, no, the first one I agree with. The second one is kind of bull****, mm, but yeah. you can bleep that out. <laughs> However, this whole, like, the that the EU and Europe was going to be, you know, like, oh, my God, we're going to be so green. But what we're actually doing is greenwashing. We're, we're basically going to buy, we're going to do all the production of energy in Russia and other places. And then we're just not going to do it on our soil. Now they've mm-hmm. flipped. Now that they are faced with a war with Russia and the Germans are funding the war with a madman. Yeah. Who wants to take over? You know, some part of Eastern Europe. So now they have religion, nuclears, nuclear power. Nuclear is now green. is Bridges. under the green umbrella, which is where it always belonged. Dummies. Yeah, yep. it's okay. No, Greta I mean, Thunberg is losing her mind on Twitter over this. So um, there was
1: some tweet the other day that said that uh, Putin has done more than Greta Thunberg and Al Gore and all of the absolutely. climate activists and all the environmentalists or whatever combined. When you, yes. you know it was. Um, The head of Lux Capital, Josh Wolf, who said that. Yeah. Yeah, it's so anyway, back to this Turkey thing. And like there was an announcement, Uganda announced that it's hit this deposit of like trillions of dollars worth of gold, like resources, whether this turns out to be a huge game changer or not. The fact is, it could be like these kinds of resource deposits and, and discoveries are what upend geopolitics completely and it is worth keeping an eye on this story because these are the metals and minerals of the future and it's either here on earth or like asteroids or some and nobody really actually knows how to do that and
0: very clearly (laughs) when something's in demand people start looking for it and when something becomes valuable people spend more money looking for it so it might be just like oil Mm -hmm. we were not spending a lot of money on oil discovery then everybody starts talking about peak oil and they're like, wouldn't it be great if we found somewhere? Because, hey, if it's running out and it does go to three, four, five hundred a barrel, we'll be rich. So we should invest some money looking for it. Yeah, that's what's that's my thesis as what as to what's happening here. There 100%. are lo- the, the majority of the planet has not been searched for rare earths and there'll be more technology and science to look for it. And that's what happened with deep water drilling, the sands in Canada, all this stuff. People, these, in, you know, this, this species called humans that is just so, you know, greedy and innovative and clever, we're so mm-hmm. clever we are. that now we're like, where is it? Let's go yep. find some. That would be a good adventure to go on. And if you go on that adventure, let's say they just found what China or Vietnam has, right? 44 million, 22 million, you know, whatever, like metric tons. Like, what if they just find the equivalent of one of the top five countries? Game changer. Yeah. And now. You know what every other country is going to do, Molly? You know what we should do? We should spend $100 million looking for some stuff in our backyard. What if we find some stuff? Just like we found fracking. Mm -hmm. So let's go.
1: Without a doubt. Last note on this is that uh, a few commenters on Twitter noted Turkey does have an election coming up and its economy has been in trouble. So it would be a good time to announce that you have 600 times more rare earth metals. So uh, notes of caution, but still. Yes, there could be some red flags here. But do uh, keep an eye on this. Out. It's a it yeah. could be a huge, huge, huge deal.
0: It's, it reminds me exactly of peak oil and what happened with Norway. Which yeah. like people are like, wait, Norway's got the largest sovereign wealth fund in the world. It's like, yep, we found the oil. And turns by the way, out. we're probably not going to even pull it out of the ground. <laughs> we're going to sit on it. Hopefully. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that's the best case scenario here. Um, I was looking up nuclear statistics. It turns out China is building 30 nuclear reactors. Outside of China in the whole belt and road program to like, you know, be influential in Southeast Asia and then Africa. Yeah. Uh, so they're building more, like a magnitude more than yep. we are. We're building like two, like we've got like two in the planning. They're building 150 in China and 30 outside of China, 180. China realizes that nuclear is green because they have serious problems in their country with pollution, air mm-hmm. pollution specifically. So they they know that this is a national security issue. The French know it's a national security issue as well as you know an existential issue for the planet and greenhouse gases. So just the EU needs to get their act together, and the United
1: States, candidly, we now have to start building some nukes and be even more energy oh, independent. We're beyond behind, beyond, and we're like talking about opening up more drilling. I mean, it's just absurd. I
0: mean, in, in the short,
1: I, it's, I'm, I'm, yeah, I was interested in that too. It's like
0: it seems like. We have given so, I, I keep hearing two sides of the story and I, it's very hard to find the truth because it's also politicized. They're like, we're not going to give more permits to drill because you haven't used the existing ones. That, that is seems accurate. completely reasonable. And then yeah. the other folks are like, well, you got to give us more because we need to have to raise the money and you're telling us that you're going to, you know, tax us out of existence once we get through this crisis. So why would we make the investment if you're going to turn it off in five
1: or 10 years? And so there seems to be they're this like they're not going to make the investment anyway because it's going to be five or ten years before they even start pulling oil out of those unused you know permitted lands.
0: Yeah, it's I'm it's, not, it's, it's also this is what I hate about just, just the politics right now is it's so hard to get the actual reality of that situation. And I been mean, if anybody has a good article or a good resource for me on like what is the actual state of these drilling permits, I, it's I haven't
1: found it yet, but I'm looking. Um, all right. Quick startup of the day. Okay. Before we go, let's like take even more of a turn away from politics and just please have some fun yes. with the startup of the day. Actually, we have, I love that. So my, I joke all the time that my favorite movie genre is bad, but awesome. My favorite startup genre is boring, but awesome. Like things that sound <laughs> kind of boring at first, but are actually awesome. So, uh, producer Rachel found this startup traba mm-hmm. where workers can find shifts based on their preferred types of work location transportation modes and hours and it's a, it's it's like for finding warehouse and other kind of gig work mm. and is just this kind of platform that I would have thought existed um if you're listing like let's say a warehouse job on Traba you have to yeah. have a minimum wage of $13 it, uh, you have to have a rate and review section for workers and companies to fill out to help workers avoid dangerous companies, especially in the warehouse industry, yep. which can be very dangerous. There are 5.1 injured full-time workers per 100. Um, you get instant payment. If you are a worker on this platform, they just raised a series A today led by Coastal Ventures at $20 million. Mm. I'm sorry, they raised $20 million at $120 million post money. Also got investment from Founders Fund, General Catalyst, Sci-Fi VC, and Atomic. And yep. what I think is interesting about it is that, like, this didn't exist. That it's Actually, this it hard did. to find labor.
0: No, no, it, it did exist. InstaWork um, is a startup that's been around for a while. I think this is, they're kind of following them down this path. So mm. InstaWork, I think they, they oh, might right. have copied Flexible InstaWork. Yeah. yeah. So InstaWork kind of was the, the Uber or the, the first in the space. So This sounds like a, they're following down there, but there's always going to be two of these, right? So you get a Lyft, you get an Uber, you get a DoorDash, you get a Postmates. So I think this sounds like they're they're seeing the success of Instawork, which I think is particularly big in South America and India um, Mm. are like some of the big markets there. So this is really like taking the, if you think about all the problems with gig work, Molly, um, you know, do you trust the person you're going to work for? Is it safe? Is it fair? You know, it's these things, these platforms are going to be like the next way. My thesis is these platforms act as the union because they collectively they create a competition for those workers Great observation yeah and so if they if you create competition and you have transparency and the workers can pick then that just balances out i'm not saying it gives all the power to the to the supply side um, but the demand side you know uh then doesn't have well, i guess the supply side yeah the supply side would be the workers demand side would be the people who need the workers so mm-hmm. the demand side had all the power right previously now the supply, this empowers the supply side a bit yeah. more and then makes yeah. it more balanced.
1: Yep, great call. And yeah, it yeah. does look like Woonolo, which I had heard of. And yeah, I know that with, one too, with yeah. a much better name. And yeah. then Shift Smart is one of the larger players in the space that yeah. raised $95 million. Yeah, Instagram. And this one is focused specifically, yeah. I think, on like warehouses and also events, which I think is kind of interesting.
0: Yeah, the three main categories for this are food. You know, you need a dishwasher, you need a cook, mm-hmm. whatever, sanitation warehousing, you know, so you need to pack stuff or whatever. And then actually interesting events, right? So you throw a party, like we did for all in Summon and all those parties, hey, you need a bartender, you need a, uh, somebody to serve at an event, you know, somebody to bust tables, whatever. Mm. And businesses are constantly trying to find these. And so if you're a local restaurant, you put out Craigslist ads, you, you do like word of mouth. No. From now on, restaurants are going to put their stuff up on these platforms and they're going to be rated so that you know Mm -hmm. hey was how was i treated did i get a staff meal did you know was it a safe working condition was the boss a jerk or not was i harassed whatever it's just going to be like the rating system uh in uber and doordash so if you get bad food you rate it low if you have bad service you rate it low if you're a jerk of a customer you get rated low so this is also rating the employees by the way
1: yeah so that mutual rating system is key yep that's clutch that really is yeah it's cool i I also particularly like the focus on warehouse because that is a place where I think people can fall through the cracks and end up in some really dangerous situations and and also has massive turnover and is really hard to find labor yep. at boring but awesome all right thanks for listening everybody that's our Thursday show for you uh, and tomorrow I'm
0: really excited uh for the summer I'm going to be doing a Friday interview series back to my roots And uh, I am having the uh, founder of a game studio on. He worked on Starcraft 2. If you were into real-time strategy, which is my favorite category of video games, in fact, the only category I play, Frost is the name of the studio, and we talk about the business of video games and why VCs haven't invested in them, but maybe they're starting to, and how a video game startup with 50 people can compete with these giant companies. It was a fascinating interview, and it got me really interested in thinking about investing in gaming so mission accomplished and uh, of course on sundays molly will do her climate interview so twice a week we're going to have these featured interviews friday and sunday you get nice strong interviews for to get you through the weekend
1: yeah you know you go on a bike yeah. ride whatever just take it in learn a little bit and then also let's hang out and be best friends online yes because we have tons of community this weekend startups.com tc is where you can join our twitter community we have a discord hmm. uh and this weekend startups.com discord and of course our Nota Gang joins us uh every day, every weekday to watch our live show on YouTube, thisweekinstartups.com slash YouTube. And if you are on YouTube and listening, you can subscribe and then hit the little notification bell. Noties is short for notification. It took me several weeks on this job to um learn that. To get that yes. <laughs> you know so what we when need is we need to Notice come a in every category. day and they're like, What is yeah. that?
0: So no, we need a new category because there's noties who show up when the notification happens. Yeah. There's a new category, Molly. They're the pre-noties. These <laughs> are the most amazing people. We typically set up the live YouTube feed, so youtube.com/slash this weekend. Um, we we're typing this weekend, startup. you will find the channel. Channel's at 199,000 subscribers. It's starting to grow uh, nicely. So there are people who are hanging out the night before because we'll say, "Hey, tomorrow's episode is coming up." And you can hit a button to get an alert, right? It's sort of like pre, you'll see this on YouTube now. Somebody's going to have a live event. They have a show placeholder. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so we put the placeholder up. And then I noticed like 25, 50 noties are hanging out hours before we get online talking. So I'm going to ask my producers to please, please invite those noties to join us in the producer document or help them, um, you know, let them talk about what's going to be on the show that day. We'd love their contributions. Uh love it pre-noty come up with a better pre-Nody's. name there's some better name than a pre-noty they're, they're really yeah, like, like our the early
1: birds there's like the line the line sitters like those people the people who line up for an like, iphone
0: i need it more like a like a military squadron you know they're they're kind of like our green berets, mm. or they're kind of like our the forward uh, the forward recon they're, they're like the scouts Nation, you know I they're, they're like out there early scouts uh, that's yeah, appropriate kind of like it's a vc scouts. term yeah so they're kind of like the bad batch you know Animal they get out there too. early they're, they're our scouts uh, they're like our seals you know they get in there uh, so there's the bad batch I like bad batch that's pretty good I scouts like bad the batch. bad batch
1: Avengers bad batch Prima, uh, don't know. backstage
0: noties that's funny we're going to workshop with we're you noties it. the Nodi guard they're, they're like our black hawk noties uh, but we we love you noties and uh thank you backstage we'll see you tomorrow backstage yeah. notie right? oh backstage that's pretty good, good. That's backstage eric. noties yeah that that's yeah. gonna
1: stick good job yeah. rachel yeah I like that. rachel's good at uh she's good that at. Would, the to be out. fair that was that was eric eric wiener in the uh that was one oh, of the noties it? who came up oh with it was one of the noties oh rachel noties. none for
0: you sorry notie oh, cr- notie come love. On. no, for, no love for you.
1: real time all right all right see you tomorrow bye bye